All the brothers and sisters here, join me in sending this letter to the churches of Galatia. May God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Jesus gave his life for our sins, just as God our Father planned, in order to rescue us from the evil world in which we live. All glory to God forever and ever. Amen. All right, open your Bibles to Galatians. Uh, actually, Galatians chapter 1. Uh, we will... Won't get any further in chapter one today. We're going to go through Galatians kind of uh, not so much as, uh, as far as an expository or we're just going to go through chapter by chapter. Uh, we won't hit every verse or every word, but, uh, but we will kind of solo in on truths or principles that God's speaking through Galatians. Uh, but I want you to read it with me. So as you go home today, uh, you know, catch up, read chapter one. Uh, there's six chapters, so uh, go through and, and read you know, each day or each week, however you do your, uh, your time with the Lord. Take some time, read through Galatians, read through it a couple times. There's just amazing things that God weaves in as you keep reading his word. He keeps unpacking and unwrapping. It's, it's never the same, I'll tell you that. It's always the same in heart and principle, but it's always changing us. And so that's my encouragement to you as we kind of go through this series. Um, all right, Galatians, let me read the heart of it. I think this is pretty phenomenal. This comes out of Galatians 3, which we'll go over in a couple of weeks from now. Uh, but I want you to just hear uh, kind of the heartbeat of what God is saying uh, as we go through Galatians. Uh, starting in verse 26 of 29 uh, of Galatians 3, it says this, For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for you're all one in Christ. And now that you belong to Christ, you're all the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs, and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. It's really a powerful verse. Paul writes it so beautifully and so well. Uh, but really, uh, the, the principle that he's saying here is, look, we're one in Christ. There's no... Uh, there's no economical status, race status, you know, gender status. We're all one in Christ. And it's a beautiful picture of what the church is, that we're all doing this together. And everything God can unleash from heaven to us is all available to every single one of us. And I love that. Um, so uh, I understand we all have, uh, there's differences, right? Maybe we grew up somewhere different, all of those things. But in Christ, we're all doing this mission together. And we're doing it as one body, as one church under one Lord, and that's Jesus Christ. And so uh, that is the heartbeat of God in general, uh, but we really find that beautifully done in Galatians. And let me tell you why. I mean, maybe you give you a backdrop if you've never read, uh, maybe you're new to the Bible and maybe you don't understand. Galatians is one of the epistles Paul wrote, and he writes it to the churches. So there's the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Uh, then there's the, the book of Acts, which is like the Acts of the, of the Apostles. That's Pentecost, and it really explains the beginning of the church. Uh, and then we get into the epistles. Now, the epistles are Paul's writings, uh, primarily. Paul's wrote, written most of the New Testament, probably close to 80% of the New Testament. And these are his letters to, to the churches, for the most part. He's writing to uh, churches that he's planted uh, in the Gentile nations. And so I'll explain Gentile in a second. But he's, he's planting churches outside of Israel. Let's just put it that way. Outside of Jerusalem. Uh, Jesus, when he came to earth and when he did his ministry, he was all inside of Israel, it was all to Jerusalem. It was to the Jew first, then to the Gentiles. And so Jesus primarily, he, well, he didn't leave Jerusalem and Israel. He was always in that pocket. That was his ministry. Um, and Peter and all the, all the, dis, uh, the apostles, uh, the disciples of Jesus also remained in Jerusalem. They, they continued that ministry in Jerusalem. Um, but obviously, Jesus birthed the church. <laughs> the Holy Spirit 
something uh, amazing, this new covenant that Jesus promised after he ascended to the Father and after Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came down and he birthed the church for the first time. And so you're starting to see in a very fast time, the church explode. In fact, Acts records many times where thousands are getting saved, thousands are getting baptized. It just is really remarkable what God is doing, what Christ is doing in the church. People are getting saved and receiving Christ as Lord and Savior. Uh, you know, the one that just was put on the tree, rose from the dead and appeared to many and then ascended to the Father. Now, many are worshiping him as the one true God, as Yeshua, as, as the Messiah that he is. And so this is beginning, this whole new covenant, this new work. Uh, obviously, it's not not new to God. God's been the same. He hasn't changed. But for, for the people on the earth, it is, it is very, very uh, exciting and, and amazing what's happening. So, uh, so that's kind of where we are. So Galatians is one of those books that's written to by Paul to the churches he planted. And remember, these churches are outside of Israel. They're outside of Jerusalem. Uh, they call them Gentile. So uh, if, you're any, if you've been around the church long enough, you've heard of Jew and you've heard of Gentile. And a lot of times uh, what we say, and, and, and so I understand it's, it's kind of true, uh, but it's not necessarily the heart of what God was communicating. A lot of times we say if you're a Jew, that you're Jewish, okay? Uh, and many of you, maybe there's a few of you that are Jewish in here. And if you're not Jewish, then you're... Okay, that's usually the understanding. Uh, that's not really what was written way back in the scriptures. Usually the, what God was uh, displaying or what he was communicating is uh, the Jews or Israel or the chosen nation that God chose. These were the people that would worship the one true God. This was the nation God chose. There are many Jews uh, in the Old Testament and even today uh, that are part of Israel, part of Jerusalem, but they don't worship Jesus. They don't worship the one true God, all right? And so what you see in the Old Testament is that would be what was considered a Gentile. These were, uh, Gentiles would be nations or people, and a lot of times the Ite nations, the Canaanites, the Mennonites, Amorites, all these other nations actually came out of uh, Israel or Jewish heritage, but they were worshiping false gods, and they made their own nations, and they made their own structure, and they made their own leadership and governments, uh, and so they became Gentile nations is, is really uh, what happened. So uh, regardless, uh, we've all, in a sense, been Gentiles because we've been away from God. We've all been away from God. Most of us, uh, maybe you grew up in the church and you met God early on. That's the best testimony in the world, by the way. Uh, but at some point, we had to receive Jesus. All of us have sinned and fallen short. All of us had to make a decision to follow Jesus. Maybe you're here today and you haven't made that decision. Today's the day of salvation. You can make that change today. You can start to follow Jesus today. Uh, but all of us had come to that place. And so uh, that's what uh, I love about Galatians 3 is like, look, the label doesn't really matter. Jew, Gentile, right? Male, female, slave or free, we're all one in Christ. At the end of the day, we're all one in Christ. Let's not get into the whole superficial man thing where we label and we put people in boxes and all of those kind of things. Hey, we're for Christ. We're part of his kingdom. We're part of his church. Let's go get him, right? That's what, that's what we're going to do. Uh, so that's kind of the, where we're, what Paul's saying in Galatians. But let me show you a map. This will help you. This is modern-day Turkey, uh, modern-day Turkey, so uh, this is where Galatia would be. So when we say Galatians, we're talking about a region called Galatia. Uh, normally, when Paul's writing books to the churches, it's like to the church of Ephesus, which is actually a city, right? It's called Ephesians. He's, the city is called Ephesus. He's writing to the city of Ephesus where he had some churches, and he's writing to the, that church or those leaderships, uh, the people in those, those churches. Galatia's a little bit different. I would explain it like this. It's like Allegheny County, Right? Allegheny County is a big county that has many cities. Uh, that's Galatia. There's North Galatia, South Galatia. Uh, where Paul's writing is actually in South Galatia towards the water, uh, kind of the south and central areas of Galatia there. Uh, there's, city, there's cities named Derby 
uh, Antioch, uh, Iconium. These are all cities that Paul planted churches. And this is who he's writing to. Galatia, southern Galatia, central Galatia. Not that he's not writing to all Galatia, but he's only planted churches at this time in kind of south and central. This is where the churches began to, uh, to happen. And so these are the Gentile churches or the churches outside of Jerusalem and Israel that, that Paul's began planting and putting leaders in. And he's really communicating. People are getting saved, transformed. They're meeting Jesus. And it's just been an amazing work. Uh, so that's kind of what's happening. The book of Galatia is written to all those churches and all those cities uh, to that let's so we can understand to that county or that region, that area of land that he's written to or where the churches are. So that's the book of Galatia. Now, there's two main reasons Paul's writing the book of Galatians. First is that um, something's already happened. Now, Galatians was written about A.D. 55 or A.D. 56, which doesn't really mean much to you and to me sometimes because we're, it's a long time ago. But we live in 2020, right? When we give years, when we give birth dates, we say 2020, my kids were born in 2007, 2009, 2011, everything's kind of defined in time, right? Uh, so go back to 55, 56, this is when Galatians was written, all right? So I know it was a long time ago, uh, but this is when it was written, but think about it this way, Jesus was crucified at 33, all right, 33, and we're talking about 55, 20 plus years uh, from when Jesus was ascended into heaven to be with the Father, all right? Now, remember, he ascended. The Pentecost came 50 days later. So we're talking about the church is pretty new. It's, it's, it's a teenager, basically, right? The church is evolving and growing, and it's exploding. I mean, it's exploding quickly. In fact, a lot of the leaders of the governments are saying it's turning our world upside down. Uh, these people of the way that's called the church, these people that are following Jesus, is changing everything in our government. This is what's happening in 20 years uh, Jesus is miraculously just growing his church, followers upon followers, thousands upon thousands are following Christ. Um, so there's, there's two reasons why Paul's writing this, because amongst that, because we got a young church, uh, and remember, primarily, the Old Testament was written mostly to the Jews. Uh, now, there was some things written to the Gentiles as well, but mostly what we have is, was written to the Jews. Imagine this. Imagine living in a culture or living in a family for generation upon generation upon generation, we're talking about six or 10,000 years that the law and the traditions and the family heritage have been kind of weaved through your family for, for many, 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 many years. And now all of a sudden, there's this uh, Gentile nation, this nation being grafted into your family. You think there's gonna be some tension? Absolutely. And so... Uh, that's the first tension that we see in the church. And I think it's really cool. There's tension in the church in 55 and 56. Is there a tension in the church today? Absolutely. Look, there's nothing new under the sun. Paul was dealing with some uh, really surprising. I know things are different in 2020 than 55 or 56. They may be different in theme, but let me just say this. The root is the same, okay? The root is the same. The method may change, but the root of tension is the same. And the root of tension is this. Divide the church, Divide the church, bring a different gospel, right? And that's the tension that Paul was feeling is that there's this different, only 20 years after Jesus ascended. I mean, Jesus was on earth preaching just 20 plus years ago and already we have a different gospel happening. And so that's the first tension is there's just a different gospel. The second thing is this, is the apostle Paul, even though he wrote most of the New Testament and we read a lot about Paul, he wasn't one of the 12, he wasn't one of the 12. 
So the second tension that we're dealing with in Galatians is, is the Jews, when they look at Paul, although, you know, Paul's a Jew, by the way. He was Jewish. He grew up in the Sadducee and, and the, uh, uh, the Pharisees. He was one of the Jews. He was one of the elite. He was, a, he was actually uh, way up on the ladder as far as the religious hierarchy in Jerusalem. Uh, but when he got separated and he started, uh, when he met Jesus and he started reaching out to the Gentiles, uh, what happened was the Jews began to look at him differently. And they, they would literally say these things. You're a second-hand apostle. You're second-rate. Your authority doesn't carry clout like James or John or Peter. You don't have the authority they do because you're not one of the 12. And so when issues came up and Paul would start to speak, I mean, imagine that. Imagine if somebody said that to you. Would that affect you? Would that hurt you? You're a second-hand apostle. You're good, but you're not James, all right? You're good, but you're not John. You're not Peter. You may even teach a lot better than they do, but... Man, they were hanging with Jesus for three years. What do you got to say about that, Paul? I mean, that's, those are the words that they're saying to Paul. And, of course, that's my own uh, translation, okay? They weren't exact. But, but that's the root that's being spoken, right? The words of people, they carry hurt, don't they? And so this is the second tension Paul's feeling, all right? So that's kind of a backdrop of Galatians. So now when we get into Galatians, you can kind of understand uh, kind of what Paul was dealing with. But I want you to see this, that God's heart has never changed. In Isaiah 56 Isaiah 56, verse 7. This is actually the whole chapter of 56 is written to the Gentiles. It's written to the Gentiles. But look at, what, look at what God says in Isaiah 56. Even them, the Gentiles, I'll bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. See, there's this tension between Jew and Gentile, but I want you to see that God's heart has always been, I'm here to save the world. They're all my kids. I created them all. And I'm here, right? John 3, 16, I'm here to save all of those who will believe in me, the Messiah. Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, that doesn't matter to me. I'm here to save the world. And so that's been spoken even in the Old Testament. So understand that this tension, although it's real, what happens is is people begin to manipulate and fabricate things based on emotions, traditions, family heritage, law sometimes. We begin to get things kind of weaved in that aren't actually God's heart, but because it's been taught to us or it's been inherited or we've always thought this way, it's hard to change our thinking. So there's this tension between Paul and the Jerusalem church uh, that's real. And again, remember, this is only 20 years after Jesus ascended, but we're talking about thousands of years of history, thousands of years of Israel and God doing things, and and there's there's some there's some lives that have been lives that have been weaved into Jerusalem. Uh, they have a hard time accepting uh, the Gentile nations as their own, and so that's kind of what we're going to be looking at today. But let's talk about first of all the tensions in the church. Right? We have tensions today. They had tensions as well. Let's talk about these tensions. The first tension is this: is the words people say. The words people say. Look at how Paul addressed. The very first verse, it's pretty crazy. The very first verse out of Galatians. Let's read it together, starting in uh, verse 1 and 2. It says this in Galatians. Paul, an apostle. Stop there. Okay? Parenthesis. Not from men, nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. Parenthesis. Do you think that's purposeful? Absolutely. Nothing's in the Bible by accident. Here's what Paul's saying. I didn't get my authority from you. 
speaking of men, speaking of the Jews, the religious elite, the people that are saying, hey, you're a second-rate apostle. He said, look, I didn't get my authority from you. I got it from God, from Jesus Christ himself. That's who gave me the authority that I have. So you can say what you want. My authority is not based on man. I'm not here to please you. I'm here to please the one that saved me and revealed himself to me. So that's how he, it's a pretty powerful opening, isn't it? And he goes on to say, and all the brethren who are with me. So look, all these guys too. God saved these guys. They didn't receive their authority from you either. We're all here to do kingdom work. We're not here to bicker about who's got more authority, right? And this, is, this happened with the disciples too, right? John, remember Jesus and the disciples, they were having a conversation, a debate really of, God, who's gonna sit at your right hand? Is it gonna be me? Me, me, me? And Jesus says, you got this all wrong. You're letting your flesh get in the way. And this is basically what Paul's saying. Now look, here's another verse. Let me show you, again, the words people say. Look at verses 11 through 24. And this is a little bit longer of a passage, but hang with me, I think you'll get it. Dear brothers and sisters, again, Paul's writing to the churches and to the Jerusalem churches, Gentile churches. I want you to understand that the gospel message I preach is not based on mere human reasoning. I received my message from no human source, and no one taught me. Instead, I received it from de- by direct revelation from Jesus Christ. You know what I was like when I followed the, the Jewish religion? How I violently persecute, persecuted God's church. I did my best to destroy it. I was far ahead of my fellow Jews in my zeal for the traditions of my ancestors. But even before I was born, God chose me and called me by his marvelous grace. Then it pleased him to reveal his son to me so that I would proclaim the good news about Jesus to the Gentiles. When this happened, I did not rush out to consult with my human being, with any human being, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to consult with those who were apostles before I was. Instead, I went away into Arabia and there I returned to the city of Damascus. Then three years later, I went to Jerusalem to get to know Peter and I stayed with him for 15 days. The only other apostle I met at that time was James, the Lord's brother. I declare before God, that what I am writing to you is not a lie. After that visit, I went north into the provinces of Syria and Cilicia, and still the churches in Christ that are in Judea didn't know me personally. All they knew that people were saying is the one who used to persecute us is now preaching the very faith he tried to destroy, and they praise God because of me. Listen, this is a powerful, powerful testimony. Paul is saying, look, I was like you. I I was a Jew, and I was in your religious practices. I was doing what you did. I was killing the church. I personally had Stephen stoned at my request. I was killing the church. I was killing believers. I was jailing them and persecuting them. And when it comes to the zeal of holding the law like my ancestors, I was far above any of you. But then I met Jesus. And you hear Paul saying, look, You can say what you want about me. I was one of you. In fact, if you're to look at your traditions and your ancestry, as far as zeal, I was way above you. So this isn't about me getting favor from you. This isn't about, you hear Paul's frustration saying, look, I'm I'm tired of what you're talking about me this way. And you hear Paul saying, look, Jesus Christ is the one that met me that day. I didn't receive revelation from you or I didn't receive revelation from your apostles even. Speaking of James, John, Peter, it didn't come from them. I received direct revelation from Jesus Christ personally. 
And when I received it, I didn't go back to the, to the hierarchy. I didn't go back to Jerusalem to get retrained. Jesus Christ personally took me for three years and taught me afresh, taught me his heart anew. And that's where my authority comes from. You know, church, there's probably a lot of you sitting here right now. Words have cut you and words have hurt you. I don't know where the words come from, but I believe the Holy Spirit will show you how he wants to free you from some of the words that have, sent about, have been said about you. Maybe from a parent, maybe from a teacher, a friend, coworker, whoever it may, it doesn't matter. One of the sins that we, I know I've had and maybe you've had is you put more value into the words that man says to you than about what God says about you. One of the things I love about Paul, I love about Paul, is that he's getting those direct words too. Maybe not post or tweets. Didn't have that in 55 or 56. But people are talking poorly about Paul. And instead of caving to the word of man, to the fear of man, or instead of caving to what people say about you, instead of caving to culture, Paul stood firm in his relationship with Christ and says, look, you can say what you want. But Jesus saved me. And I'm okay with whatever you want to say to me. Look, he, he grew some thick skin. He had some big shoulders. But you know what? A lot of times we let those words put us in bondage. We let those words put chains around, shackles around us. Now, that's not purposely what we're doing. There's not a literal physical chain or shackle on us. But we're literally walking around with this hurt in our hearts, these words, this sentence, maybe even a single word or thing or abuse or whatever it may be. Whatever was done to you, that has framed how you think, who you are, what you do, how you treat people. And look, I get it. It hurts. It's painful. But listen to what Paul is saying. Your identity will never come from a human being's words. It will always come from your creator, from Christ himself. Your character, who you are, the son and daughter that you are, your destiny, your identity, your purpose, all comes from Jesus Christ. And Paul came to a place that says, look, at some point those words gotta bounce off of you. At some point you gotta get to a place and I'm not saying it's fun to hear, right? We, we don't like to hear them. I don't like the tweets. I don't like the posts. I don't like the things that happen or the, what people say about me or you. I don't like it. But we have to get strong enough in our faith to say, what really matters is what my Lord says. What really matters is what my Lord says. I can't control what other people say, but I can, tr can control what I believe. And I can't control where my heart is. That's why the scripture says, guard your heart. Because out of it is the wellspring of life. You gotta guard your heart. People will always be people. And I'm not saying that you walk through life and never trust people. But what I am saying is, is when people say things that go against what your creator says, you've gotta reject it. You've gotta reject it. And that's what I love about Paul is he stood strong in the face of adversity. And by the way, this isn't just like Look, it would be different if it was, and look, it doesn't really matter, but look, I guess I could accept hurtful words from somebody that doesn't believe in Jesus because they, you know, their filter's a little bit wrong. 
because they're, they're worldly and they're using worldly things. And those, those, look, I can understand that, but that's not what Paul's talking to. He's talking to the apostles, the Jerusalem church. He's talking to the church. You know, sometimes the church hurts people. Look, I got hurt in the church. It doesn't mean, here's what it doesn't mean. It's because somebody, a person hurt you that it applies to Jesus. But that's what we do, right? You cut me, you hurt me, and that's the way God is. That is not true. That is not true. Even if it's the church, right? Sometimes as pastors, sometimes we, we can be wrong. I want you to hold me accountable. If I preach something, if I preach a different gospel, if I preach something that's not the heart of God, if it's not from, it's not from the word, you need to hold me accountable. The elders have that right to hold me accountable. You have that right to hold me accountable. Look, that's part of the deal. When Jesus showed me that gift of pastorship, part of the deal is, is I'm held to a higher standard. It's not a negative for me. It's actually an honor to be held at that standard. Look, I expect it from you. I expect it from the eldership. I expect it from the body. I've told you many times, my sin, my sin was, I would put the pastor on a platform and I would never question it. Now, I would never say that I believe he was God because I know foundationally that's wrong, but my actions said differently. And I got hurt in the process, and so have many of you. Look, I'm not perfect, and you're not perfect either. But I believe with all my heart we have the best church on the planet. I'm a little biased. <laughs> but look, at the end of the day, we're going to make mistakes but love says we correct one another. Love says we walk it out. I know intentionally I'm not gonna hurt you and intentionally you're not trying to hurt me. But if we do, let's love, love each other enough to say, hey, it's okay, I forgive you. Let's not run away from each other. Let's not change churches because we haven't dealt with our issues. But this is what Paul is saying. Look, sometimes the people that shouldn't be saying those words, they do say those words. And if they do, I love that Paul stood up to correct them. I love that he, I mean, think about this. Paul, the second-rate apostle is what they're calling him, had to stand up to who? The apostles. What if he didn't do that? If he didn't do that, we'd be in a church today that would be preaching the gospel plus works. We'd be have to have circumcision services because that's what they were saying. As, look, they didn't denounce that the Gentiles couldn't believe in Jesus. They accepted that. Look, they can, they can accept Jesus, but they're not fully saved until they're circumcised. They're not fully saved unless they eat certain things certain ways or they don't eat certain things. And they're not fully saved unless there's some works. There's these couple things that they have to do. If they can do those things, then, then I could accept their salvation. Right, that's that's was the tension Paul was feeling, was not only the tension of their words and what they were saying, but they were preaching a different gospel than what Jesus was preaching. And I've got to tie my shoe, or I'm going to fall on my face. <laughs> Sorry, I felt it. And so these these were the tensions Paul was feeling. Is look, people's words. How do we deal with them? Look, know what Jesus says about you. If you're here today and you don't know. Let's seek it out together. Look, 
That's why, we, that's why we gather. This is what I love about Sundays. We should come with such an expectation to hear from God. At the end of the day, I can't tell you what your destiny and purpose is. Personally, as a, as a human being, I can't tell you that. Now, sometimes God gives us words and I can affirm what he's saying to you. I can prophetically say things that is affirming what God's putting in your heart. But it's him that's gonna tell you who you are. It's him that's gonna tell you Seek me and you'll find me. It's what Jeremiah says, right? Seek me and you'll find me. The promise always is, if you'll seek God, you'll find him. The promise of, of Jesus' sheep are, they hear and know my voice. Look, you're gonna know. God is gonna reveal it to you. That's why I love being in the presence of God together because God's speaking to all of us, all of us. Come with that expectation. Jesus, Holy Spirit, I'm ready to hear. Holy Spirit, lead me to truth. Holy Spirit, show me who I am. Show me my purpose. Show me my destiny. Maybe you're here today, Holy Spirit, show I need my salvation. I need to be saved. That's why Jesus came, was to save the lost, heal the brokenhearted, set free those that are in bondage or linked up. That's what I love about gathering together because we're all receiving from the Lord different things. And he's always good. So Paul had this tension of the words people say in a different gospel. Now let me just, uh, let me just throw it back at you. Let me give you a, a verse, Galatians 1, 6 through 10. This is, this is where uh, Paul is confronting the church about the different gospel. Look at this. Remember, we're only a little over 20 years since the church started. Verse 6 says, I marvel that you're turning away so soon from him, Jesus, who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we've been preached to you, let him be accursed. As we've said before, so I now say again, I love that he says it twice. If anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what he has received, let him be accursed. For I do not persuade men or God, or do I seek to please man? For if I still pleased men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. But I make known to you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. I love Paul's intention. I love his boldness. And I love how he's standing up to Jerusalem. He's saying, look, guys. It amazes me that we're 20 years from when our Lord ascended into heaven and we're preaching a different gospel already. It's not the gospel that the Lord gave us. It's not the gospel that Jesus Christ preached to us. And we're already 20 plus years going away. Isn't it crazy how fast, how fast the enemy weaves in a different gospel? Here we are, 2020, over 2,000 years from Christ. You know what? We have a lot of different gospels being preached, don't we? Look, I understand that every church has its own different flair and it's a little bit different, and I respect that. I actually love that about the churches. I love that I won't reach every person in Pittsburgh. I love that there's another church elsewhere that's gonna meet them in a way that I can't. I think it's beautiful. But there's one thing that we cannot, we cannot disunify on, and that's the foundation, and that's the gospel. Every church on this planet that is following Christ should be teaching the same gospel. And Paul is saying, look, Jerusalem, it amazes me how quick you went away from Jesus and what he taught you. And so let's get back on the same page. And so that's the tension. Now let me, let me uh, throw this back at you a little bit and let me just put it back in our laps a little bit. First, the words people say. How is that affecting you today? 
Maybe you're sitting here today, and I'm not asking you to raise your hand. I'm not here to embarrass you, but I am asking you to think about something. Is there something that somebody has said to you that has affected you? And if so, if so, are you willing to go to God with it today? Because I promise you this, and we just sang about promises. The promise of God is, is to set you free from that word. The promise from God is to break free or to set free or to give liberty to the brokenhearted. You know, we just came out of Valentine's Day with all the fun little hearts with the cracks in them, right? What Jesus is saying is the brokenhearted means this. Somebody said something to you. Maybe it was a year ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago. Maybe it was when you were a child, but you still remember that word. You still remember that phrase. Look, I don't even know what it is, but you're saying it right now in your head. You know what it is. You know who it was, and it still impacts you. Look, I know you'll probably never forget what happened, but you can forgive what happened. You can forgive what happened, and you can let it go. And God truly wants to set you free. Look, I don't know what the word was. I don't know what the abuse was. I don't know what was said to you or done to you. All I can say is from Jesus himself, first of all, I'm sorry that you went through it. And secondly, I want to give you something new that is freeing and that will help you and that will bless you. And here's the third thing, which is a whole other message, is that he'll use that pain for his testimony and for his glory. That's what Paul was saying, right? I used to kill Christians. I used to close down churches. I used to throw them in jail. But to God be the glory, now I'm preaching the gospel that I was persecuting. Only because of Jesus. Not because of me and not because of any other person on this planet. God saved me. And it changed me and it transformed me. So I just want you to think about that. Look, if words, if somebody's words or somebody's post or somebody has done something to you or said something about you or something's been done to you, today's your day of freedom. Look, there may be a process, but this is what I love about Christ and I love about his church and I love about our altar teams. Look, we're in this together. We're in this to walk this out, walk this out with you. And let me also say this, you're not the only one. Because a lot of times when we hear words like this or we hear, uh, we hear phrases like you're an accident or you know, things like that, you think that you're the only one going through it, but you're not. You're not the only one. And what we want to do is just deposit what Jesus says about you. Replace, right? This is why we renew our minds. We have to renew our minds. What man has said about you, God wants to renew with what he says about you. That's how you renew. That's how you get set free. That's how you get liberated. That's why Jesus said the truth will set you free and you'll be free indeed because the word of God begins to transform you, change you, mold you, and make you into his new creation. But it's him that does this beautiful work. And so if that's you today, just let God begin to start transforming and molding and start renewing and refreshing your mind. Look, it stinks. I know it stinks. I, I know what people say sometimes is it shouldn't have never been said. And I know it's hurtful. And I know it's probably impacted you for a long time. But it's time to get free today. And second, let's talk about a different gospel. Look, I want to make abundantly clear that Jesus is the only way. 
There's no other way. Jesus said it himself. Nobody comes to the Father except through Jesus, not me, Jesus. He's the only way, he's the only truth, and he's the only life. No questions about it. And he came to save the world that anyone who believes in me can have everlasting life. Notice there's no additions, exceptions, asterisks, coupon, list on the bottom, none of that. It's only through Jesus. But we have a world of different gospels that I just need you, I'm gonna tell you the lie and I'm gonna tell you the truth. And let me just say this. The enemy has always done such a great job at taking a piece of the word and twisting it or taking a piece of the gospel and taking it out of context, right? That's what he did with Jesus when he tempted him, right? He took the scripture and took it out of context and threw it at Jesus and Jesus took it and corrected him. So that's why it's important that you know what the gospel is because if somebody's gonna, if the enemy or the enemy influences somebody to give you a different gospel, you say, no, that is not the gospel. And that's why I'm so thankful Paul said, hey, Jerusalem, hey, apostles, Peter, John, James, come here. That is not the gospel. And you know it's not the gospel. So let me just share a couple of these. And there's, there's really fluffy and nice words that I could give you that make me sound smart, but I'm not going to, okay? I like to make it real simple. Is it, you okay with that? Let me just make it real simple. The good gospel. The good gospel. You know what? Even today, in fact, I heard this on the news or something the other day. There's, there's a teaching that's happening politically right now that everybody is good. We're all good. We are all good. Boy, it sounds really good, doesn't it? Except for Jesus and the Bible says totally different. It says no one is not one is, none of us, we've all, every one of us have fallen short of the glory of God. All of us have lied or disobeyed or stolen or done something. All of us, every single one of us, not one of us is good. Yet we're teaching right now in our culture that we're all good. Let's just remove everything. We're all, we'll all make good decisions. It's a lie. In fact, if I put all of us in this room on an island and I took Jesus away and his truce and everything and when I put us on an island, we probably would all be dead within a, a short amount of time, right? If you don't believe me, just read the first pages of Genesis. Adam, Eve, sin, Cain, Abel, murder. That's how fast. None of us are good. Now we can learn to be good. What's the measure of good? Jesus, look, well, let me just say this. It is Jesus, okay, that's the Bible school answer. What's good? Jesus, that's the Bible school answer, I get it. <laughs> but listen to me. Good can only be defined by perfection, right? If I say something's good and you say something's good, look, the, the differential between good is different between the two of us. The perception, because why? Because we're sinful people. We're not perfect, so your measure of good may be different than my measure of good. The only way we can measure what good is is by perfection, and Jesus is the only perfect one. And so the measure of good is Christ. If you, if you look at the spiritual or the, uh, the heavenly definition of good, it'll say Jesus. If you look up our definition in our dictionary, it won't say Jesus. 
But good is defined by perfection, and the only perfect one we have is Jesus. Jesus came and lived like us and lived perfectly, never sinning. We could never do it. None of us, no person in humanity has ever done it except for Christ. He lived for 33 years without sinning, without making an error, without making a mistake, lived perfectly. That's good. And this is what's so good about salvation is now you have a relationship with good. And now you can know what good is. Yes, you can make good decisions. Yes, you can be good because you know, you know who good is. Psalm 14 says nobody is good. So that's a false gospel. Here's the second false gospel. The self-help or sensationalism gospel. It's just who you are. You know what Paul said? I'll say it politely. Paul says it much more coarse. Hogwash. Actually, Paul says it like this. That is ignorance. Certainly not that is ignorance. It's not who you are. It's not who you are. Right? If I'm an angry person, uh, this is one of those Pittsburgh slogans I just wish would never have been spoken. It is what it is. That's a lie. It isn't what it is. If you're an angry person, you're angry because of sin. Sin has grown inside of you and you haven't dealt with it so it fosters and grows. Right? If you're an angry, that's not who you are. It's just a reality you haven't dealt with it. Right? God isn't an angry God. Look, God can feel the emotion of anger and not sin, but we get angry and sin. And then if we don't deal with it, sin progresses and it goes all crazy on us. We go all crazy. Well, that's just who I am. I'm just an angry person. No, you're not. You can be different. God can change you and God can transform you. In fact, it says in uh, Mark 2.17, what does it say? Jesus said, I didn't come for the sick. What does it say? It says, I came for the sinner. I came for the sinner. So I came for the one that's angry. I came for the one that stole. I came for the one that's lying. I came for the one that's deceptive. I came to save them. I didn't come to say, yep, that's who you are. Just keep stealing. Just keep, yeah, just keep fighting. Just keep being angry. That's not what he said. He said, I came to make you well. I came to heal the sick. I came to set you free. I came to save you. So this whole idea of self-help, it's just who you are. Just Look, you can still love Jesus and still just be who you are. It's a lie. We should be transformed by the power of Christ. We should be overwhelmed by the grace of God. It should be, we should see that and go, wow, God, thank you, and I'm sorry. We shouldn't see and go, well, that's just who I am, Jesus. Thank you for your grace. I'm just going to keep on sinning. That's just who I am. That's ignorance. The third one is this, interfaith gospel. All roads lead to Jesus. I don't have to teach you too much on that one, do I? John 14, no, only Jesus leads you to the Father. That's it. No other way. It's not that God doesn't love people that don't know him because he died for the whole world. Okay, so this isn't a reality that we have a mean God that's sending people to hell. That's not the reality. We have an amazing God that died for the whole world that all of us could receive him and have eternal life. So don't put the blame on God when the blame's on us. God has made it. We, we messed it up. God made us beautifully, created in his image, and we messed it up, and God came and brought us salvation on our ignorance. That's how good God is. All roads don't lead to heaven. I'm sorry to say it, 
I'm not really sorry to say it. I'm sorry in a sense because some people feel like that, that's mean. It's not mean. It's truth. Discipline is love. Truth is love. Jesus came to give truth and grace. And I'm here to give you the same truth and grace that Jesus is offering you. This abundant life that Jesus gives is amazing and I'm here to give it to you. But I'm not here to deceive you. I'm not here to let the world and culture bend what the gospel is. The gospel will always be what Jesus said it is, nothing else. Fourth, faith plus gospel. This is what Jerusalem was doing, right? Yes, you can receive Jesus, but you gotta do 10,000 good works. And that was me, maybe that was you. That's why I got saved so many times. I really only got saved once, but in my mind, I got saved 30 times, right? Give my life to Jesus today, why? Because I did that yesterday. Give my life to Jesus, why? Because I sinned yesterday. I didn't understand that there, I was a work in progress, that God was, he saved me, but there was a sanctification, there was a justification, there was, there was things happening in me that was gonna evolve and still is today. But you don't have to get saved every time you come to church. If it makes you feel better, that's fine. It doesn't mean that, that God, look, it's not the gospel. And by the way, it's Jesus only. You don't have to add works. Ephesians 2.8 says, Look, it's not by works. In fact, I, I love the way Ephesians 2.8 says. It says, you're saved by grace and not by yourself. I love that. Because we think we have to do something to get, to get salvation. You can't do anything. It was all because of the work that Jesus did that you can have salvation. It's not by yourself and it's not by works or it wouldn't be grace. So it's not the faith plus circumcision, the faith plus what you eat and faith plus what you work. That's what Paul was saying to the Jews at that time. And that's what he's saying to you today. And then it's not the gospel minus transformation. Right? Just God will give you grace. Just that's called this is called cheap grace. Now, by the way, grace is never cheap, by the way. It always costs us, costs Jesus everything. But in our mentality, it is this. Oh, God will keep giving you grace. Just, just keep on doing what you're doing. You don't need to change. Just God will just keep giving you grace. He'll keep forgiving you. You don't need to purposely, here's what we're saying. I'm gonna purposely keep sinning even though it, even though it costs me the Savior, even though it put him on the cross. I'm just gonna keep doing what he's doing because I know it will save me. And I'm gonna kind of be blunt and bold and just say, and I don't know, that's why I'm not God, but you probably haven't been saved if that's the case. Because when you meet Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes and you begin to change and you begin to transform and you want that lordship in your life. Look, I understand we're not perfect. We may mess up, but we're not purposely, intentionally not becoming new. But this is one of the things that's being taught out there is God will keep giving you grace. Oh, just keep doing what you're doing. God will keep giving you grace. Just keep doing what you're doing. Please, please, please. If somebody jumped in front of you and took a bullet and saved your life, you would be changed. And that's what happened. Jesus stepped in front of the bullet and he took every sin that you made and he died on the cross and he deserves your life. He paid the price for your sin. And that's the kind of gratitude and thankfulness we need to have. Jesus, thank you that you saved me. Your grace is overwhelming to me. I'm not gonna keep being the old man or the old flesh. 
God, I want your flesh. I want your heart. I want to know you. I want your truth. I want your righteousness. Grace always brings transformation. It always brings a molding, a new creation, a renewing of your mind. In fact, Galatians 5, 1 talks about this, and I, if you want to kind of read it later, but Galatians 5 says this. He says, look, don't be, continue to be ensnared. Don't continue to be entangled. Why would you receive grace and then want to continue? That makes no sense. That's what Paul's saying. Certainly not. That's, that's ignorance. When you see freedom, but you choose to be entangled? And you say, oh, yeah, God loves me, but I... I I love the sin a little bit more. Look, I understand that we're evolving and growing, but grace says, I want to be free. Grace says, no more. Grace says, I'm done. And grace says, it's finished, and I'm thankful I have someone to look to for help. And he's sending me someone to help me. Yes, I'm a work in progress, but I'm choosing to follow Jesus, and I'm not choosing to follow myself anymore. This is why Jesus said, you have to die to yourself. How often? Every single day, which goes to my last false gospel. It's not the me gospel. It's not the you gospel. It's his gospel. Seek first his righteousness and his kingdom. Seek first him. Look, that's an amazing way to humble yourself. God, I want this. But your heart says this, what are you gonna choose? His ways are not our ways. And it's not a bad thing. Sometimes we think that, oh, if I'm a Christian, I can't have fun. That's a lie. It's such a lie. Jesus says this is the most abundant and full life you can ever experience. He doesn't say, hey, this is a compromised life, just deal with it. <laughs> he says this is the best and fullest life you will ever have. Trust me. Follow me. Let me be Lord. Die to yourself. Seek first my kingdom and my righteousness. Church, stand to your feet. I just want to pray for you. Look, I know many of you, many of you are in a good place with the Lord. You have a great relationship with Jesus. And I'm so, so thankful. As Paul always said, his whole identity was framed around that moment I met Jesus, that moment that he revealed himself to me, changed me. And I'm thankful many of you are right there. Some of you may be here today and look, I talked about the words of man and how it's pierced your hearts and maybe you're struggling today. Maybe you're just really hurting today. Look, I'm going to have our altar teams come. We just want to pray for you. Look, I'm not here to sully you out. I'm not here to embarrass you. But I am here to say, let's believe God. Let's have an ex expectation that God's going to free you today. Again, you're not, you may not forget what happened, but I believe you can, be for, you can forgive whoever it was that said it or did it, that you can forgive. And I also believe that you can be free just like that. Sure, there may be a process for some of you, but I also believe, I've met people that have been instantly been freed. 
And it's not by my power or their power, it's by the power of Christ. It's by the power of the Holy Spirit that is in you. And so if you need freedom today, there's just something that's been nagging on you for a long time. Let's let God do his work. He does the heavy lifting. We just have to give our hearts to him. And if you're here today and you just haven't given your life to Jesus, you're not following him, now's the day of salvation. Just let him know. We want to pray with you. We want to walk you through. We want you to choose Jesus. That's why we're here. That's why we're here. Today, if you've bought a compromised gospel, you've kind of been living this, you have a false, you heard these things today and you're like, yeah, that's me. Just, God, I'm sorry. But let's get back to what's most important and that's his gospel. It's his gospel. It's his good news. It's not mine. It's his. We don't need anything added to the gospel. We just need Jesus. Yes, you will do good works, but it's not about the good works that earn you salvation. Look, you'll do good if you know Jesus because Jesus is good. Don't make it an issue, okay? Just keep following Jesus. You'll see this abundant life that he promised will come. It'll happen. It'll happen on earth and it'll happen for eternity. And so let me just pray for you. Lord, I thank you for the church. Thank you for what you're doing right here, right now in this place. Lord, I give you every person within the sound of my voice and God, the in the presence of, of you. Lord, I just want to ask you to free some people, save some people, help some people today. And Lord, I say would, not because you can, you do it. I say would because we need to allow you. We need to open our hearts. We need to open our lives to you. Lord, I know you'll do it. I know that's what you do. That's who you are. But Lord, for those that are struggling today, those that need salvation today, those that need God, just healed from terrible words. God, Holy Spirit, meet them right here, right now. And Lord, we love you, we love you, we love you. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for being our Lord and Savior. Thank you for leaving heaven, coming to earth. Thank you for all that you've done. Where would we be without you? And thank you for making it abundantly clear. There's so many confusing and gray things in the world. Thank you that your truth is always crystal clear. It always sets us free. It always helps us. It always guides our path. It always leads us. It's a lamp unto our feet, and we're so thankful for it. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Everyone said amen. Look, if you need prayer today, I'm going to dismiss you right here, right now, if that's okay with you. But if you need prayer, don't leave. Look, prayer is so important. It's our cornerstone. It's not a weakness. It's a strength. And so if you need prayer, whether it's words or salvation or anything at all, going through something in life, you need healing for something, Look, we would be honored to pray with you. So you can come and pray. We'll stay here as long as you need. Uh, look, if you're, you've received what you need and you're just celebrating all that God's doing, look, that's good too. But, uh, and if you want to stay and pray for people, you can. But if not, you're dismissed. Uh, go ahead and hang out to the lobby knowing that people are going to be praying and seeking God. Uh, but if you don't mind, if you're, if you're all set and you're just ready to go, you're, you're more than welcome to be dismissed to hang out with your brothers and sisters in the lobby. We love you. God bless you. We'll see you next week. Have a great week.